This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today I'm joined with our CEO, Ramon, and we have a special guest with us, Chandra Washington. She co-founded TBC Capital, an education-first advisory and consulting firm offering on-demand CFO, business development, and strategy services for early-stage companies. Through her efforts, a lot of her clients actually raised over $1.8 million in grants and startup capital. And she's based out of New York, has a big focus in consumer tech, CPG, and marketplaces. So we're really excited to have Chandra on here. We actually met her through this really cool app called Clubhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with it, if you're listening, but there are some founders that are on there in the CPG space and direct-to-consumer space. So anyways, super excited to have Chandra on here. And Chandra, why don't you go ahead and take it away? And I know I've told a little bit about you as well, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay. So hi guys. Obviously my name is Chandra Washington. I've had a really interesting career thus far. And uh, before I even jump in, I just want to say thank you so much for bringing me on. I'm super excited to talk about my work and all the ways that we are helping founders over at TBC Capital. But I started my career in HR, like randomly. I moved to New York. I was a professional dancer. So I was doing like videos and just all kinds of random dancey stuff that you know the type of dancing I was doing. I was doing videos and and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, so I needed to get a job. So I just got my first job and started working in HR. And then from From there, I actually have a degree in pure mathematics. And so I made all of my HR jobs numbers jobs. And so I just made them as quantitative as possible, like forced people to make them quantitative. So take anything that you've done or heard of in HR, anything that had numbers to do with it, I made my managers give me that work. So ended up at Jeffrey's, an investment bank, and I was in HR. Me and another woman was in charge of all of the reporting for HR for the entire bank. And I got tired of that and was like, all right, I need to get into tech. I really need to get into the startup space. I always knew that I wanted to. And so I kind of strong-armed my way into becoming a tech investment banker. So I ended up moving from HR to investment banking. And that's like wild in and of itself, but I made it happen. So from there, I know we're supposed to get into this later, but I was sitting in a room, we were talking about, we were working on the sale of a company and it was going to be a billion dollar deal. And there was all this information that was being thrown around between the folks at the table. And I was just sitting there, to be frank, like the only black woman. And there's all this great knowledge and these gems and nuggets of information. And I was like, oh my God, the people that really need this information, the founders, you know, my friends that are building these brands really need this information. And it's siloed. And if it's siloed in financial services, then it has to be siloed in marketing and it has to be siloed in uh, legal. And so I started TBC Capital as a way to pull out all of that information. So one of the things, the reason why we're education first is because we're trying to democratize all the information that's stuck in these corporate boardrooms that's not getting to the people that really, really need it. And so I'm all about democratizing fundraising, investing, information. That's really what TBC is all about. But that's a very, very high level of kind of how I got to where I'm at now. 
Nice. Well, that's an incredible journey. Honestly, I was just kind of in shock listening to all the steps that you've taken to kind of push your career forward. And you really just kind of spearheading your own effort there, which is really cool. So would you say it was kind of like the thing at the investment banking firm you worked at Jeffries that kind of drove your decision to help founders that were underrepresented? Oh, totally. Were underrepresented? Yeah, Yeah, totally. So like I said, I was, I had like an aha moment where I just said, oh my gosh, there's just all this information. So what I did just to kind of further, you know, taking TBC further than what I just said. So while I was at Jeffries, my friend actually started like an investment club. And so we would meet once a month on a Saturday and we would just talk about ideas and investing and like just how to become a better investor. And they were all folks that were in financial services in New York. So we had some people that were in venture. We had some people that were in private equity. We had people, they're in all different roles within the financial services ecosystem. And so when I had my aha moment, the next meeting, I went to my friend and I was like, look, you got to let me take this over. So I changed the composition of everybody that we had at the table because I figured, you know, financial services is only a part of the equation. There's so much more information that needs to get out. So we brought in people that were VPs of marketing at at really large public companies. We brought in partners at accounting firms like the big four. We brought in, you know, top legal talent, product development talent. I mean, pretty much any part of the business that a startup or a brand would need, we brought somebody into TBC that would be able to help them with that. And so what that ended up being was a one-day accelerator type of program. So we turned our investor meetings into almost like an accelerator. We would bring in underrepresented founders. Most of them were all D2C and CPG companies. And we would just have like these really deep, really long workshops with them. They would pitch to us and we would all go around the table from each of our expertise, our areas of expertise, and just kind of like dig deep and help them to kind of, you know, take their business to the next level. So yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say it comes to, after you share your story, it comes to no surprise what you're doing at Clubhouse. It definitely, you know, when there isn't a way, it seems like you make the way. And I love that. I mean, when I first uh, saw, I was on Clubhouse, I think it was one of my first or second times on Clubhouse. And I saw an event called uh, Pitch Practice. And um, I joined and it was, you know, a founder actually pitching his company to 100 people just trying to, to crowdfund. And when I did some research on on Chandra, and I actually found that I actually reached out to Chandra and saw that they helped, you know, some companies in CPG crowdfund even over a hundred thousand dollars. So super impressive. And I'm curious to learn more about how that journey has been and some of the stories on this uh, clubhouse initiative that you're doing of democratizing, you know, crowdfunding and and fundraising through live events uh, online. So, so I'll give you a quick story about pitch practice and then how that actually turned into Crowdhouse, which is what we, the live show that you came in on. So pitch practice was something that my friend Marie was like, she got me on the app in July and she, for like the first month was like, you have to host a show, you have to host a show, you have to host a show. And I was like, I don't, what am I going to host? I don't know what to host. So that's how pitch practice came about. I was like, it's the easiest thing throw it up there. People will come. They'll just pitch their company really low stress, like nothing. It's not even going to be a thing. I didn't even have a co-host. I had nothing. I was just like, well, I'm going to put it on the calendar 
and whoever's supposed to be there will come. <laughs> Somebody's going to come and, and help me yeah. with these pitches. And so that was in August. And so what that is, is basically literally a practice where you can come in, pitch your companies. And what's ending up happening is there's investors that lurk in the audience and then they'll come on stage and they'll be like, oh, I really want to talk to you more. Or they'll just shoot a cold DM to whoever pitched. And, you know, some of the folks that have pitched have ended up gotten like some serious investment dollars from pitching in pitch practice. But the live pitching Crowdhouse show where we're actually helping founders that are raising on um, crowdfunding platforms. So like WeFunder, StartEngine, Republic, I was hosting a pitch practice. Someone came up to pitch and then they reached out to me and said, you're a clubhouse influencer. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but whatever. (laughs) Um, And he had the idea of kind of doing a show uh, and was like, you know, I'd love for you to host it. So him and I worked together to build what is now Crowdhouse, and he was raising on WeFunder. So now we are, we've taken that and have just expanded it, and we're doing what seems like weekly shows where we're taking mostly e-commerce and D2C brands and helping them crowdfund live using the Clubhouse platform. Yeah, that's incredible over there. So I know, you know, you mentioned that you're doing a lot of e-commerce and uh, consumer goods brands and things like that for raising. Do you ever see, because I feel like you're very much of a person who just wants to help everyone, which I think is awesome. Do you ever see yourself kind of expanding and branching out of that as well a little bit? Yes, I do. But I just, I'm really big on like consumer behavior. (laughs) Like I really love thinking about how people behave and why they make decisions and why they buy things and why they relate to brands. And I'm also super interested in, I'm not a marketer at all, like not even close, but I really love the idea of like customer acquisition and copy and speaking to audiences. So where I would love to really expand. I just love this type of business. So it's just something that I easily gravitate to. And my thought process is, you know what? I am going to get really, really good at helping these companies raise, really, really good at helping them get smart about customer acquisition. And then I can move to a different area, right? And then I can go to price SaaS or something else. I don't know. We'll see. But right now I think my focus is on consumer just because I really, really love the space. That's awesome. That's really cool over there. And it's honestly very impressive, the stuff that you're doing on Clubhouse, I think. And I kind of feel like a little bit to a degree, like, do you think uh, if you didn't have your investment banking kind of career path that you had taken, I'm assuming you'd still want to help people in that kind of underrepresented community, because it seems like you are very much of a helper in that sense. Yeah. So the investment banking piece, I think solidified, just gave me, well, not even solidified. It just, it helped me to I don't know, figure out how to do it. You know what I mean? So like the whole point of me going into investment banking, like I knew from the beginning before I even told those people that I wanted to get into investment banking, I knew that I wanted to get into venture. So like investment banking was just my step to get into venture so that I could help underrepresented founders. So I already knew that's where I wanted to go. My investment banking was like a means to an end, I guess. 
So uh, I want to touch on the underrepresented founder part because, you know, I was born and raised in the Caribbean. So I, you know, kind of powered my way through as well. So, you know, you live in it every day, given to what you're doing. So I'm curious to hear from you. What are the challenges that you're trying to help underrepresented founders overcome? Um, and what are the most free, like, what are the main challenges that they face and how to break through that barrier? Yeah. So the two things that, I'm really trying to help founders underrepresented specifically. One of them is just education is really, really, it's unfortunate, right? But like words can be weaponized against founders. Like if you don't know what what CAC is, or if you don't know what ARR is, right? Yeah. And you go into an investor meeting and you're trying to talk about your company, but then the way that you guys are communicating is different. That's a ding to you, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to, for whatever the reason is, they're going to immediately say that you may not be of a certain level of founder because you don't know these certain terms or you're not thinking like the typical founder would. And when I say typical, I'm in quotes. So I'm really, really big on democratizing information because hoarding of information is something that's done to keep us me included, like underrepresented people out of certain situations, certain rooms, keep us away from certain tables. So that's one of the things. The other thing is that, you know, when we say all we need to do is give funding to underrepresented founders, that is true, but it's a larger problem. It's not just let's give them money so that they can build their company. It's more systemic than that. And, you know, how do I do my part there, right? Like, how do I remove as many barriers as possible? So how do I at least give them ways to get capital so that doesn't have to be a barrier? Childcare is a barrier. Paying for healthcare as a full-time founder is a barrier. Having to take care of your family is a barrier. Like, there's all these other barriers. And so, and on top of not having the network to be able to easily fundraise. So I'm just trying to help in the sense of giving them the information that they need, but then also helping them figure out different and unique ways of fundraising. And let me also say, one of the reasons why I do the live crowdfunding show is not only for the founders, but it's also for the investors, because I really, really want The whole point of that is really for the people in the audience to be able to democratize the investing process and doing that using crowdfunding. And so instead of it being like a shark tank where only the really rich people that have all of the money and experience can invest, you're using, a it's not public yet, but a platform in which anybody, even non-accredited or accredited, can listen in on this show and listen to angels, people that are actually investing make investment decisions, and then they themselves in the audience can go onto these platforms and invest as well. So it's democratizing the whole process. That's really cool the way that you do it. And I feel like the education is just, like you said, it's there for everyone to be able to access and kind of learn about crowdfunding. So talking specifically about crowdfunding, and I know I'm really excited to dive into this. What do you think is the future of 
this kind of live crowdfunding thing, I feel like we're at the very beginning of, especially just the stuff on Clubhouse. Oh my gosh. What do you think about the future of raising through social media, through raising through live crowdfunding? So we are at the very beginning of it. And I was on a call yesterday with someone at WeFunder and they're like, nobody has taken this space yet. So like, you're literally, you're absolutely right. We're at the very, very beginning of this. Yeah, Funder is the future of the crowdfunding space. <laughs> I, right? Can we say that again? From your ears, <laughs> to the from your words to the universe's ears. So I think that the one thing that people don't really realize, and maybe they do, I don't know, is that crowdfunding isn't just putting your company onto a platform on a WeFunder or a Republic or a Start Engine. It's not just putting it on the platform and then like setting it and forgetting it. There's actual marketing that has to happen outside of that. Like you have to do PR, you have to do interviews, you got to get yourself and your company in front of people. And so I think what the future of crowdfunding looks like is how do we easily do that, right? And so you can't really do that on an Instagram. If you yourself go on Instagram or another Facebook property, it's you and one other person talking. You can get, you know, people to put things in the chat box, but it's not you in a, it's not one to many, it's a one to one type of thing as far as like question and answer. And so I think the good thing about Clubhouse is that it allows you to bring multiple people on stage so multiple people can participate in the conversation. So even though there's no chat feature, it doesn't need to be because it's we're listening to people go back and forth and have a whole conversation about it. It's not a webinar. It's not, it's not a Zoom meeting, right? It's literally a social media that allows multiple people to engage in one conversation, which I think is different but also really, really good for causes like these. Social media is a full-time job, but you don't have to do it alone. Ami is our favorite social media agency. From TikTok to tweet, you'll work with a team of professionals to level up your social media in 2021. Visit amisocial.com. That's A-M-I-E social.com. Thanks for uh, elaborating and jumping into that. So I want to ask some more questions about crowdfunding and live crowdfunding over here. What would you say, I guess I got a few questions and I might just do a little bit of a rapid fire over Uh-oh. here. So what do you think some of the benefits of, of crowdfunding are? Do you think every brand should be doing it? What do you think brands need to do in order to crowdfund? Yeah, so I think that not every brand should be doing it. I think the the benefits of crowdfunding are that you can turn your customers, the people that love your brand, into investors and align incentives, right? If I'm an investor into your company, then I want your company to be worth as much as possible. How do I do that? I spend money with you by buying your products or services. I tell my friend to buy your products or services. So it starts that machine of like, I have ownership in this. So my incentive and my want and need for you to grow is heightened because there's an actual value to your increased value. So that's the one thing about crowdfunding that's different than going a traditional route. Like if you go a traditional route, then you have a finite number of investors. You got to report to them every month. You got to make sure that you're doing the right thing. You know, they could be not great investors for you. They could have different ideas of the business. It can be stressful on the founder when they go to the traditional route. So crowdfunding just gives you a little bit more freedom, but it also allows your customers to become like fanatics and really start that wheel of getting people into your doors and spending money with you. I think I answered this already. Do I think that all business or brands should crowdfund? 
I don't know. I can't really answer that question. I think it depends on what your customer base is. I think it depends on the type of products that you have or like the relationship that you have with them, because it also depends on who you are, right? Because in order to crowdfund, you have to market yourself. You have to market your companies. You have to speak about your company. You have to be able to articulate and elaborate on the things that you're doing. And so, you know, if you're not great at that, it's going to be hard because marketing and PR is part of a successful crowdfunding campaign. Being able to really talk strongly is unfortunately part of a good crowdfunding campaign. I was going to say, um, I believe that some brands are probably more prone than others to be successful with crowdfunding, giving to probably a lot of it depends on, you know, how mission driven is the company? And is it something that, you know, people want to get behind that right. consumers want to be a part of and are having an impact by not only consuming the product, but also being a part of the growth of that company and being part of the backbone of that mission? Totally, totally, totally. And then there was a third question. I, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I was just asking, like, uh, what do you think brands need to do in order to uh, to crowdfund? I know you mentioned you hit on a couple of them, but if you want to hit on some more as well. Yes. So I think the one thing that you want to do is when you're doing equity crowdfunding, you have to present your financial. It's, you're actually submitting your information to the SEC. So you need to make sure that you have your numbers in order. They're going to be audited. So, you know, make sure your accounting and all of that stuff is in order. So that's the one thing that you need to be aware of. And the other thing is, is that there's, I already said this, but there is money that needs to be put out at the beginning of the crowdfund. So maybe the different platforms have different terms as to, you know, what it costs to get onto their platform and the equity that they take, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't have to get into that, but there is still a cost associated with crowdfunding, whether that's the marketing costs, the CPA and accounting costs, the legal fees, So you also have to just be aware that there is a cost associated to it and it varies and some companies offer discounts on some of the costs and services that you'll need. So you can do your own research there, but those are the two things that you'll need before you even jump into the actual uh, campaign. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that insight. And so, you know, I'm actually thinking over here while you're kind of talking, I know you mentioned that crowdfunding might not be for every brand and you've got to really be someone who's able to push that brand forward. So I want to ask you, do you think there's a difference in the potential payoff of going one route or the other? So crowdfunding versus the traditional route, do you think crowdfunding has more potential in terms of you being able to grow a brand? Do you think the traditional route has more potential? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So there is currently a cap on how much you can crowdfund. And we're talking about equity crowdfunding. And the cap is a million and seventy dollars. That cap is actually going to go up to five million. And I believe it's going to hit in February of next year. So and I say all that to say that one of the drawbacks of crowdfunding is that when you're doing a reg CF, you can only raise up to a million and seventy dollars. But now that that's kind of being lifted, there's a larger cap of $5 million, so you can raise up to, obviously, $5 million now. The thing about going the traditional route, which is you know VCs or maybe angels, is that there is a person now attached to the money that's being invested into your company, and that person has opinions. And so most investor relationships are not, um, they're not bad or strained or anything like that. But you do have to understand that there is responsibility now that you have to an actual person that will be in your inbox, that will be on your phone, 
that will have questions for you that you'll have to answer to. So that's just a little bit more responsibility that you're putting on yourself. It's not a bad thing or a good thing, but it's just something to keep in mind that you'll actually be answering to a person, whereas crowdfunding allows you to kind of step back and it's really, really beneficial for your customers because they're just trying to see you win. Yeah. And I think to an extent, it probably, I'm sure, helps you know your brand growth, oh, I mean, totally. especially as a, a consumer brand getting that brand out in front of people. And then I know from just seeing other campaigns, when they start doing successfully, they end up you know, ending up on the top pages of yep. those crowdfunding websites. And so you get more exposure and you end up getting more brand users. So do you think in that sense, it kind of accelerates the market that you are in, in a sense? Yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, there's PR and marketing that is done here. And all that is, is getting you and your brand in front of folks. So Yes, you're marketing the campaign, but for the people that are not already customers and supporting you, you're also marketing your company and what you do. So you can go in front of these audiences and say, this is my company, I have really great products. People may not have never heard of you and go to the platform and see that you have really great products. Maybe they actually order some products to test them out before they invest with you. Like, you know, it's twofold. It's marketing the potential investment, but it's also marketing what you do in that PR. All of that stuff is just helping people to get to know who you are and get you in front of people that may not have ever known of you before. For sure. And this one, I actually want to bring in Ramon on this question over here. So I know he was sitting in on the campaign, I think, when you were helping a brand crowdfund uh, 18.21. Um, I don't know if that's the, that, that's the, the way that you Yeah, it's just 18.21. I wasn't sitting there. I just uh, reached out to uh, Chandra and uh, she sent that over as one of the examples. And um, it was mind blown that the company was able to crowdfund over $100,000. How did that happen? So I just want to be clear about it. So I actually don't know how much we actually helped them raise, but they ended their campaign with raising over 100K. So we didn't actually raise 100K in that room. Yeah. I don't remember how much they already had, but we helped them get over that point. Another company that we brought on actually hit a million and seventy dollars mark as well. Again, we didn't help them raise the entire million, but you know, getting on Crowdhouse is the show was a step to hitting that cap of a, a million seventy dollars. But what was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, just uh, curious on, on how all that um, went down. So when um, the company presents, so for example, uh, I've listened in on the trend, uh, sorry, on the pitch practices, but on these uh, specific cases, was this part of a pitch practice where the brand jumped in and, oh. and pitched or is there a different kind of event? Oh um, no, this is a separate event. So pitch practice is just it. people coming in and practicing their pitch. I don't even, it lasts for like an hour and a half. People just come on stage. I don't even know who's going to pitch that day. I make people raise their hand in the show and then I randomly bring them up. 1821 reached out to me after doing the first crowd house and was like, hey, I really want to do this. I'm raising on Republic. So that's why we brought them on. And so that show is a completely different show. And we let them pitch like normal, except we have four to six judges and it kind of goes, the company pitches, the judges do their Q&A. So it's almost like a 30 to 40 minute Q&A. And then we bring up people from the audience who are thinking about investing, but may have some further questions. And then after that, we say, all right, who here, which of the judges are going to invest? And so we have the big reveal of who invests at the end of the show. And then we do a poll to see who else in the audience also invested throughout the show. 
Got it. So I'm sure that our listeners, you know, so we focus on, on direct to consumer here on this podcast, and I'm sure they're all, you know, craving to skip over to get to the part that asks Chandra, how can brands become a part of this or participate? Yeah. So if you are currently crowdfunding, I'd love to talk to you and I'd love to potentially bring you on. You can go to my Twitter and my Twitter handle is Chandra Danielle. So my first name, S-H-O-N-D-R-A, my middle name, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. So Chandra Danielle and just shoot me a DM. So how it typically works is I set up a 15 minute call with you. I have to make sure that you know, the vibe is right and all of those things. And so we have a 15 minute call. I tell you kind of about what we're doing and then we schedule it. You won't know, I won't directly tell you who the investors are prior to the show, but then after the show, we connect, I connect you to all the investors that decided that they would invest with you so that you guys can continue conversations. But that's typically how it works. Nice. Awesome. Well, Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure everyone that's listening has definitely found that pretty useful. And we might have some brands that are crowdfunding out there currently that are listening to the podcast. So I think that's really cool over there. So, you know, as we're kind of coming to the end of this podcast and we're wrapping it up over here, I got like uh, two more things that I want to ask over here. And they're kind of more a little bit about you and where we can learn more. So what's kind of next for you in terms of this whole live crowdfunding thing and even what you're doing at TBC Capital? And the last thing I'll add to that is, I know you mentioned how people can connect with you if they're doing crowdfunding or they're interested in live crowdfunding, but what are some ways that people can uh, also connect with you if they're not maybe doing that or just interested in learning more about what you do? Yeah. So what's next for me? We're taking CrowdHouse, the show where we do the live crowdfunding we're taking that and we're growing it, right? So like I said, I was talking with some folks over at WeFunder and we're trying to make it so that this is a bigger thing. I see this live crowdfunding, like my first time doing it, I was like, this is a new age telethon. So my thought process is we're taking this, we're making this into a new age telethon using social media platforms like Clubhouse and maybe going over to Twitch or something like that and really, really allowing folks especially underrepresented founders, to raise from a larger audience and much bigger than their current network. So that's what's next for CrowdHouse. We'll continue to do the shows and make it bigger and bigger each time. I know one thing that will be next will be that next time Chandra will be on the podcast, she'll say that she has helped underrepresented founders raise over a billion dollars through crowdfunding. I love it. I I love that. So um, what's next for TBC? We're in the middle of doing some... Guys, you know what? I didn't know that I I love to do events, but apparently I love to do events for founders because at TBC, we're in the middle of doing some planning for some big things that are coming up in late 2021. So look out for that. We'll be having some more events, hopefully live for founders. And you know, we're really, really looking on creating an ecosystem and a way for underrepresented founders to receive investment in a multitude of ways and closing that gap between VCs and underrepresented founders. So that's what's next for TBC. You can reach out to me regardless of whether it's for CrowdHouse and crowdfunding. You can reach out to me via my email. So my email is Chandra at tbc-capital.com and happy to help, happy to make any introductions, anything. So 
feel free to reach out to me. You can also shoot me a DM on Twitter, like I mentioned earlier. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think you're one of the very few guests that are willing to share their email. So it just speaks volumes to how much you're willing to help people. And I think that's so awesome. Chandra, it's been so great having you on the podcast over here to talk about what you do, live crowdfunding, how you're helping underrepresented founders. I think we've really all learned a lot from this episode. And I'm sure there's a lot of key takeaways for our audience over there. Lastly, I want to thank the audience out there for listening. It's been another great episode of the DTC pod. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to drop us a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast. And we'd love to hear what you have to think. And if you're interested in reaching out to Chandra, we'll have the information in the show notes as well. Other than that, we'll see you next time on the DTC pod. Thank you, Chandra. Thank you, guys. Thank you.